We are Newsong, a Foursquare church in beautiful Colorado Springs. We love Jesus. We love each other. We are family. If you have any questions or prayer requests, you can always visit us simply by going to newsongcs.com. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Stephen Hibden shares an encouraging word of God's love. Well, praise the Lord. I am doing good. You, you're, you're in your car with your son. You stop it right now. I told you. Hi, how are you doing, right? As a pastor, you got you to gotta make sure that, yeah, that, that, can, that can be an issue. Thankfully, I, I'm in a stage of our life where our kids know to fake it sometimes, right? <laughs> right? But that's a flaw. We're not supposed to fake it till we make it. And even literally in our website, um, one of our values is that we are authentic. We are real in our struggle and in our routines. That means that when something's going on in our life, we need to let someone know about it so they can help us. I want us all to admit what you've done wrong. Just stand up and say it. No, just kidding. Just kidding. We are accountable to each other. Now, it can get a little messy. Remember, we talked about the oil last, a couple weeks ago, where if you let unity happen, the Holy Spirit comes on to that, and he starts to fix things, and it could get messy. And guess what? You don't get to do it by yourself, which sometimes I like to do things by myself. Most of us have times in our lives where we're like, you know what? I'm going to build this shelf and no one's going to help me. I'm going to I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to set up this stage exactly how I want it to, right? That's what I'm doing up here. I'm moving stuff around. That's yeah, just me. You know, I could have a team that like sets it all up and then I would come and go, "Oh, well, let's set this right here. Put this right here." Okay, so um don't fake it. Don't fake it. We're going to start a new series today that I want to call in the spirit of competition, in the spirit of football, in the spirit of uh, the Denver Broncos. Can I hear an amen? Uh, I like to have fun. And if I'm not having fun, then you're not having fun. So, you know, I want to, I want to call this the fall because we're still in fall. There's still some pretty leaves. I heard the leaves were leaving, but they haven't left yet. They're still here. I'm so thankful. The beautiful yellow, beautiful red. Still fall, so the fall hall of fame, all right? There is a football hall of fame, and there is a fall hall of fame that I want to talk about uh, for about all the way up to Thanksgiving. And today, what um, all through, we're going to talk about how defeat can be transformed into victory in our lives. That can preach, say amen. Now, it's easy to say amen. Yeah, I want defeat to turn into victory, but truly... That's what God's meant for us. He's meant for us to have victory even in our defeat. And if you're here today, it's not by accident that you're here. That's not just a nice thing for a pastor to say or a preacher to say. But I really believe that this message, the next one and the next one and the next one, maybe, maybe all of them will be this way all the way until the next year. But at least these four are, are on purpose for your life. It's something that God wants to speak, and maybe just for today, this message today is for you. I want you to know that. I want to build your faith today. As I turn the page, there will be a, uh, we're going into this series, and I want you to put on your, um, take off your church face and put on your game face, I guess. I, I, didn't, I just thought of that right now. But take off your church face and put on your real face, um, because I want to talk about um, for unforgiveness. I want to re talk about regret. Maybe you have a hurt from an assumed failure in your vocation or your calling. Maybe a setback, a discouragement. 
Maybe you have an addiction, a habit you just can't kick. You just can't get rid of this in my life. I'm 25, I'm 35, I'm 65, and I still have this roadblock. Maybe it's a disappointment, something that happened in your past. Maybe it's a mistake. Maybe it's your fault. Maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe it's lost time. Maybe it's a lost child. Maybe it's an insecurity. Whatever it is, God wants to address those things that may be keeping us from everything God has for us. And I want you to open your Bible to John chapter 11. We're going to look at a very familiar story. Everyone likes this story. But I tr- I'm going to try to give a different perspective on a little bit of this. I want to entitle the first message in this series, Overtime. The fancy title might be, When Setbacks Turn Into Comebacks. Amen? When setbacks turn into comebacks. That just sounds good. But God's got an overtime for us as well. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for people. We thank you for family. We thank you how you are weaving them all together in this place to build something or to continue to build something that's going to not only transform us because we need to be transformed. We can't do it by ourselves, but we're going to transform our community, our neighborhood. Lord, I want to do the impossible for you. We all want to. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through every message that we hear and let me be separate from what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Let me be used by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been late to something or you felt really bad? You did something like uh, I, you let someone down. Um, I, I um, have a funny story of how, well, I don't know if it's funny. You can laugh anyways at the end, <laughs> even if it's not funny. But, you know, I was late to something once. It was my birthday. And um, I didn't even know I was going to be late to this because, um, well, I was on the way somewhere. I had my dad's Cutlass Supreme, and I wrecked it. I was 16. I just had turned 16, literally. I had had my license for a half a year because in South Dakota, you get to get it 15 and a half. I wrecked the car. I, br- I, I dented the, the bumper or the, um, the, the trunk. So I got home. I felt really bad. I was already late coming home. I, I, didn't know what I, I didn't know I was late for what I was coming in for, but I was late. I walk, I walk in the door. I'm ready to cry. I'm ready to get yelled at. I'm ready to, I don't know, you know, your first wreck, right? And I open the door, and there's 100 people at my house, and they all say, surprise! And it was a surprise birthday for me. I didn't even know it was happening. Laugh. <laughs> That's funny. It was a surprise birthday, and I just looked, and they all looked at me. And usually you're supposed to look like, oh, thank you, everybody. And I'm like, and they're like, wow, your son is really has trouble with, uh, like, surprises. This is not good. And the church people were all there, and they're just looking. It was just this awkward moment, and I just started crying because it was, like, overwhelming. I was 16, and I just wrecked the car, and I was thinking I'm going to get in trouble, and now they're doing something nice for me. And I could use this as an example of what Jesus does for us, right? He Not only does he not get punish us, but he gives us a party and said, but that's not what this is about. Uh, this is about me letting everyone down. I felt like I'd let everyone down, and it was just uh, just embarrassing. And I went to my dad, and I was crying, and, and of course, they say, oh, that's okay. You know, my dad is a nice guy. He's coming on the 20th of November. You'll have to meet him. But um, 
Dad, if you're listening, thank you for not yelling at me that night. But Jesus never had a wreck on his birthday. Um, Christmas, I guess, is his birthday, isn't it? Jesus never... How come I look at you when I want to... Just a little smile, a little laugh. <laughs> Jesus' birthday is on Christmas. He didn't have a wreck on his birthday, but Jesus did seem... Understand I'm saying seem. Seemed to let people down many times. He seemed to let people down. Did you know God never feels pressure when we're counting on him? Oh, come on, you got to come through. Let the Cubs lose or whatever it is. God doesn't have, sorry, whoever. I'm a Cardinal fan. I'm a Cardinal fan, so the Cubs are our enemies, and they didn't deserve it, and so that's why, and actually they did. They won 100 games. Good for them, but they're losing right now. Three games to one, which means they have to win this is a message about football, so never mind. <laughs> God never feels pressure when we're counting on him. When we pray something, God knows what he's doing because he's perfect. He knows when, he knows where, he knows how I'm going to do this. I, I know what I'm doing. Relax. Now, it's easy for us to say outside of a situation, right, Bob? You would probably say it to somebody else. You would say, God always knows what he's doing. Don't worry. Relax. I got it under control. God's got it under control. And when you're in the situation, it doesn't seem that way. It's easy outside. But when it comes to sitting in a hospital on Christmas Eve, which maybe you've done, I've done, and thinking, are you, you going to heal my son? Or what are you doing, God? God always knows what he's doing. Don't tell me God always knows what he's doing. Because it doesn't seem like it right now. Or maybe you're sitting at the door at midnight waiting for someone to come back home and they haven't come home. Someone tells you, I'm not going to put Bob on the spot again, but Bob tells you, God, God knows what he's doing. Don't tell me that when I don't think he knows what he's doing. It's hard to understand when we're in a dire place what God is doing that it could be a place where God is transforming a setback into a comeback in our life. Two particular people I want to look at today who knew what a dire situation was. Dire, I looked up this, this word in the dictionary because I'm like, this is a good word, but I don't really know what it means. It means terrible. Have you been there? Dreadful, frightful, awful. I guess this is a Halloween message. Grim. Grave, a serious situation, urgent. I am desperate. Have you been there with God? Pressing, hopeless. As I read this, try to forget that you know what happens because most of you probably heard this story before. But look at it through the eyes of Mary and Martha who didn't know what God was up to when he wrote this or when, when, the, when this happened. John 11, 1 through 5, I'm going to look at first. And they may stay with me, but they may not. I, who knows how fast I'll go or how slow. I sure appreciate you guys very much. Appreciate you. Now, a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany. My last pastor used to say Lazarus, or two, two, the year two, two pastors before. He would say Lazarus. That drove me crazy. It's Lazarus. <laughs> Lazarus of Bethany. So if you hear me say Lazarus, just go, no, uh, Raise your hand, because I understand. 
you, you, it should be Lazarus. Uh, the town of Mary and Martha, we have a long ways to go. Let's get there. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil, the weird one who took her hair and wiped it on his feet to anoint him, whose brother Lazarus was sick. It was this, this Mary. Before the sister sent to him, saying, or therefore, sorry, before, therefore the sister sent, Lord, behold, the one you love is sick could be anybody right isn't it jesus the one you love when jesus heard that he said this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of god that the son of god may be glorified through it that's how the movies tell jesus's english now jesus loved mary and her sister and lazarus so here we are we are at a place where um they they call to jesus jesus um I'm already having trouble with this because it's the, the one you love. Well, don't you love? Jesus loved a lot of people. And then Jesus replies, uh, don't worry. This is not unto death that this will take place. Yes, it was. Lazarus dies. And I'm confused already. Yet she says, you love him. So Jesus loves Lazarus, right? He loves Mary and Martha. And so I would think Jesus heals Lazarus. Mary and Martha rejoice the end, but that's not how it ended up. John's like getting our hopes up here. Like, okay, the one you love, he loves you. You love him. Come on, make this happen. We assume this is how it works. In Sunday school, Barbara wouldn't have preached it this way, but in Sunday school, we learned that, you know, that's the way it works. That's our natural assumption. But when we start to predict our futures, because we are Christians, because we go to church, hey, I read my Bible, I tithe, I pray all the time, so God is going to do, right? He's going to do, and he's going to do this. But when real happens, real life happens, we have questions. Now, don't criticize me until the end of this message, but we do have questions. Let's read just this next verse out loud, verse 6, together. Ready? So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. What? Everybody say what? No, you don't have to, but it doesn't say but when he heard. It says so when he heard that he's deathly sick, he's dying. He stayed where he was. Verse 7. Then after this, just stay with me. Let's, 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 let's do this, okay? Then after this, he said to the disciples, no, 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 I mean, you don't have to read it with me. Just stay with me, okay? Because gonna, I'm going to do a big chunk here. Let us go to Judea again. Thank you. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews want to kill you there. They want to kill you there. Don't go there. Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. The disciples, they were young. They were, what? What did you say, Jesus? These things, he said after that, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I'm going to go and wake him up. His disciples were like, um, okay, so Lord, if if he sleeps, then he's going to get well. So let him sleep, because if he's sleeping, it's probably making him feel better. However, Jesus spoke of his death when he said sleep. 
No one understood what was going on at this point, often like our lives. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said, okay, guys, Lazarus is dead. Okay, he already died. Do you understand this? And I'm glad for your sakes that he died because I want you to believe because you still don't know me, do you? You don't know who I am. I am the resurrection. No, he doesn't say that yet. He says, nevertheless, let's go to him anyways, even though he's dead. Then Thomas said, well, Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his disciples, let us go that we may die with him too, Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, okay. When Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. You know, in those days, and you've heard this, that the people believed that three days, the spirit stayed there. So someone would even literally stay around in case the person came back from the dead and minister to the person while they're dead. But four days, it was over. It was, it was over. At the end of three days, it was over. And it was four days now. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, right? I want to ask a question right here. Why did Jesus let this happen? In verse 15, he explains, you know, it was for your sakes that this happened, you know, so that you may believe. He wanted to wait till everyone knew that Lazarus was dead before he accomplished what he wanted to do. Now, I'm not saying Jesus made Lazarus die. I'm not saying that that happened. I'm just saying Sometimes we think life is over. Sometimes we think ministry is over. Maybe you think marriage is over. Maybe you think success is over in your life. And Jesus, whether he let that happen or not, maybe he's got something else in mind, even though it seems like it's over, over. Not just kind of over, it's over, over. It's four days. She said he stinks at this time already. He's dead, dead. Sometimes um, when I've ministered at like at summer camps and I think I got a great message and I'll share it to the kids and I'll say, you know, this is it. And then nothing happens. And I think, wow, well, that was it. Sometimes that's when God shows up. After I've done my part, then the Holy Spirit comes in. Well, he's already in the room, but he comes and starts to minister. And God does this thing after us. Sometimes when we don't expect it, God knows what he's doing. Let me just remind you today. It almost seems like Jesus waited till everyone was disappointed before he staged to come back. And let me remind you, God's ways are higher than your ways. God's ways are higher than my ways. I want you to consider what, you're, what you've dealt with in the past. If it's a disappointment, if it's a regret, if it's, a, if it's an unforgiveness, if it's a failure, whatever, God's ways are higher. He knows what he's doing. I, um, let's look at 18, okay? Doing some work here. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about only two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she ran out to him. Mary had an attitude. <laughs> she was sitting at home. She's like, no, I'm not going to meet him. Now, Martha, you got to hand it to her that she ran out to him. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She didn't yell at him. She didn't say, you're wrong. She just said, if you would have been here, I, I, I would have believed. You could have fixed it. 
But serving, following Jesus can be disappointing. Right here, she had followed Jesus so long, but she was disappointed. I wish you would have been here. You know, we sang the song growing up, I have decided to follow Jesus. And we sing it with a smile. And as a kid, I never understood because that song is not necessarily a happy song. It goes, no turning back, no turning back. Don't none go with me. None of my friends go with me. I'll still follow you. No turning back. And then they'd say, let's get saved. And I'm like, what? You know, it's, I, this sounds very hard to me I don't you're 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 making this sound so good but no turning back I can't turn back and but in fact the Bible talks about leaving brother and sister for me leaving father and mother when we hear something at church we can often perceive it as candy coated and I wrote this and I didn't mean it to be a pun but it's pretty good so I'm going to just read it to you I didn't mean it this way because I was just abbreviating because I want to hurry up but I, I wrote this. When we hear something at church, we can often perceive it as candy-coated. M&M saw their brother die, and there was nothing candy-coated about that. Pretty clever, but I didn't mean it to be clever. But there was nothing candy-coated. that their, their brother had died, you know? It's funny, but it's actually a very serious statement. My son, Jaden, um, loves to go to the toy section at the store, and one of his favorite toys is uh, like the bouncy balls, the big ones, then the thing. And so is J my, other, my two boys, my older boys. It's their favorite toy, too. And they can't go into a Walmart without getting them out and playing with them. I'm like, guys, what if someone sees us? You know, we're not supposed to do this. We could get in trouble, right? And in the store, these balls look so much fun. They're bouncy. They're colorful. The lighting's good, and they're just having fun. And often we bought them. In fact, we have a lot of balls in our house. I don't know. Uh, Amanda's been. She sees us. Any given day when you come to our house, you will see a ball going this way to this side of the room between Riley and Jaden and um, Noah. You're going you're gonna to see that end. Um, we don't have anything breakable because of that reason. But when you get a ball home, one of these kind of balls, they're not as fun as they are at the store, at least for the kids. Like they, they play with it at the store and then you get to the store and then or you get home and then they're like, oh, it's just another ball. I have a lot of balls. Let's go to the store and get one of those one kind of ball with this, right? If you look back at some of your experiences trying to serve Jesus, it's, it wasn't uh, like it seemed at the store, a big, colorful, bouncy ball. Disappointment sets in. And your Christianity, when you get it home, can be disappointing. And before you start to criticize me, I already said it, but I wrote it here just to make sure because I know some of you might be thinking this. I say, Wait. Um, before you say, stop making Jesus out to be this bad guy, I want you to know we are just talking about the feelings we've all had. Have you felt this way before? Maybe you're feeling this way right now. Right now. Right now. <laughs> we are real at our church and our struggles. Of course, I know Jesus is good. Jesus comes through. He answers prayer. In fact, he is the answer to every question, isn't he? He's the answer to every worry. But the process, but the process to get from defeat to, oh, Jesus is the answer, can be a long hike. It can be a long journey. It can be a long 
road. It can seem like a long road. Sometimes it doesn't take a long time, but it seems like it. I know my dad was very sick uh, a few years back. He was in the hospital for like five months. We went in for a day. We thought it was nothing and ended up being, um, ended up being pancreatitis, which usually kills people. And I remember when they Finally, after so many months sending him home, they said, let's hope he recovers. We did some things. We did some surgeries. Let's hope he recovers. And I went to his house. I remember one particular day. There, was a min- there are many days like this. Let me tell you, and I'll tell you the story another time, but he got, he got through this. But I s- left the house that night thinking, am I going to see my dad alive next time I come over tomorrow? When I come over, I don't know if he'll be here. And I sat in my car and I cried and I prayed and I screamed at God. I'm like, what are you doing? I do not get this. He is the nicest guy. He is the most holy guy. He's served you his whole entire life. And look, look at where we're at. What if, what if he doesn't come through this? I am desperate. I don't know what you're doing. And it seemed like I was in defeat and that that journey back to victory in my heart seemed like forever. Thinking and wondering, hoping this would not be my last day to see my dad. But the process, let me tell you, from doubt to belief, listen, the process from a carnal way of doing things to Christ-like, which is near impossible, is a process. From being confused, maybe you're here today in that position, to understanding is a process. From attacked by the enemy to rescued by the Savior can be a journey. Amen? could be a long ways. Can I remind you that Jesus started leaving us confused a long time ago? In the Bible, it's all time. All, even from the very moment he was born, it was already like, what? You're doing it this way? You come to a little town that nobody cares about, Bethlehem. You don't even have a hospital. You don't even have a doctor. You come to a stable. You're getting born here, seriously, by a girl named Mary who's not even married. This is not a right way. Just make sure she's married first so it looks better, at least. I know that it was the Holy Spirit that conceived this, but you're letting us down the way you plan this, because this does not give you popularity right from the beginning. It gives you, like, the opposite. And there, there, there's people killing babies, and you, you, you came at this time, in, 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 and then the shepherds, that's who you have come visit you at the, there was not no wise men at the, at that, 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 that night. They were a long time later when they finally picked up on this, right? But you, you invite shepherds, the, the most unimportant people, sometimes, sometimes crooks, sometimes they're thieves. They're, they're unrespected. They're, they're, they're uh, discriminated against. And that's who you invited. Jesus has done this his whole life. He got older, right? He comes into the town. The people are waving palm branches. Oh, yeah, Jesus, the conquering king. That's what Hosanna means, right? You are conquering. You're going to take over. You're going to kill the Romans. We're going to have a great... Jesus doesn't do it that way. He doesn't give in to what they want. Jesus does the opposite. He's so humble. He's so meek. He doesn't start a battle. He doesn't. I remember I sang a song in, in, at an Easter play when I was little called If I Were a King. I don't know if you saw that Easter play, but it was pretty famous, right? If I were a king and I sang, 
I'd be the best king. I'd make decrees. I'd win wars. I'd wear crowns. Jesus wore a crown, not the same kind of crown that we would have expected, right? Just so, like, confusing. Jesus has left us this way many times. I'd sit um, at the hospital in my darkest moments with my dad, horribly sad, and you wonder, you wonder why someone's not getting well. Maybe you're here today and you wonder why you're not married yet. You wonder why you haven't gotten rich yet. You wonder why you haven't had success yet. You wonder why you're not a minister yet. You wonder why you're not the boss yet. It's your job. You're not getting what you want. Jesus knows what he's doing. Yes, sin and the nature of living in this world will bring defeat, but God's viewpoint is different. He's looking at it from a different viewpoint. He's got different priorities, the way he's different concerns with the way he's looking at Shelley's life, the way he's looking at your life. He's got a, a viewpoint that we don't have. I went to Pikes Peak finally a couple weeks ago, and I saw Colorado Springs from a different viewpoint. I didn't see Union Boulevard and the trees next to me, and I wonder when Academy's coming. It's got to be coming. Maybe I did look at my phone. I did it wrong. Am I going the wrong way? Up there, you see, oh, Academy's there. 24's here. 25's here. Ed's house is here. Ed, Ed plays the saxophone. Right, and this has nothing to do with anything, but he plays the saxophone in the army band. Right, it's not just uh, just the marching band; it's like a rock band. And I went to their concert, and they're like legit. Like seriously, I just wish that they would come and play here. But it's a church; they probably can't play here. But hey, God sees where your house is. He knows what you're doing. He has a different viewpoint. God's perspective looks much different. Let's look at what happens next. Verse twenty-two. Say amen, you're still with me, or smile, just smile, okay? You got, uh, you got the whole day after this to serve God and do whatever you want to do or not serve God. But right now, you're in church, so let me get through this. I got, I got to get to the end of this today, so just stay with me and, and stay, stay engaged, all right? Thank you, my friends. But even now, I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Martha's saying this to Jesus. I know you can do something even though you didn't. I know you still are God. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. She's already pretty much given up, but she still trusts. She still believes. She still focuses on Jesus. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you, won't, you may die, but you will live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha's like at a bad spot right now. And she says, yet still, she says, yes, I believe this. I believe you're the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. And when she had said these things, verse 28, she went her way and secretly called Mary and said, you better get your butt out there and see Jesus. Jesus is preaching to us and you better get out there. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came. Now Jesus had not come into the town, but he was in the place where Martha met him. He hadn't even get into the town yet. Jesus, hurry up. What, is, what are you doing? I was going to say, what is your problem? But I know you don't have a problem. Then the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly, went out, followed her, saying, she's going to the tomb. She must be going there to cry. 
Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, she was broken. My brother would not have died. I want you to be careful when you start a sentence explaining things higher than you, when you don't understand what God's doing to say, well, you know, the way I see it, uh, Jesus is, yeah, you, you messed up. You should have been here. Mary doesn't see the same viewpoint. She only sees pain. She predicts the conclusion. We lost. We love you, Jesus. We love you, but we lost. And that's it. Miracles happen sometimes when we stop focusing on our situation and focus on Jesus. Comebacks happen when we stop focusing on the setback and put our focus back on the Savior. Yes, that's easy to say, I know. But we need to focus where the focus needs to be. And both Mary and Martha, even still, had their focus on Jesus. Therefore, verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And the Jew said, man, you see how much he loved him? When you get your eyes on Jesus, you find in your hopelessness that Jesus isn't without emotion too. He knows where you've been, what you're dealing with. He knows how you're hurting. He knows how you've been wronged. He knows how you've been mistreated. He knows how you've been let down. He knows how you've been disappointed. And Jesus wept, maybe to remind us, hey, I'm with you in this. Yes, I'm the creator of the whole solar system, but I'm also the lifter of your head. Yes, I'm the power that causes the sun to rise, but I'm also your closest friend. I'm your counselor. I'm your defender in the weak. Paul, Paul is a great example in his shipwreck, in his persecution, in his... Um, troubles in prison and i'm speaking literally all of those things not a figurative shipwreck but in literally in a shipwreck in philippians 3 7 he says something i'm going to read it to you you don't have to turn there unless you have the time unless you're fast maybe you're faster than me go i got it but what things were gained to me i have counted loss for christ Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, for whom I suffer the loss of all things. I count them as nothing that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, not in myself, which is from the law, but that which is from faith. I have faith that I'm righteous, which is righteousness from God that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. In other words, he's saying, our goal, even in our bad times, is to know Jesus. It's not necessarily even if, if we get through it, yes, but it's to know Jesus. Through my, through my prison t sentence, through my shipwreck, you know, what my goal has been is to know Jesus, and I've gotten to know Jesus, and one day when I get to see him, it's going to be um, a lot better. That's hard for us to understand. That's 
that's permanent or that's that's spiritual stuff. We want we want temporary stuff, but that's the truth. That's the truth. That's what we need to learn through are those things. You won't be disappointed if you find Jesus through your setbacks. Would you come up, um, Amanda? This doesn't bring us answers to what we need. Doesn't bring us answers to our questions. But it does put perspective that Jesus is what we want to look, what we want to find through our, through our setbacks. Um, I'm going to do something kind of weird here or different. I, I'm finished kind of with the message, but I have a conclusion. I got to read the rest. You know what happens here. And we'll be out of here very soon. But before we do this, I want us to stand to our feet. And I fear that, you know, or I don't fear, but, you know, what could happen here, because you're used to church, is when you stand, that means you're going home. But what this means right now is actually I want you to get in a posture. You can stay seated if you really need to, but I want you to get in a posture that you're going to receive something from Jesus. You're going to surrender something. Remember, I warned you already, 40% at least surrender, 10% surrender, do something. And it doesn't need to be uh, in the way I see it. And the way I see it is you surrender by coming to the front. But maybe it's a surrender just in your heart as you're standing. I want you to be comfortable. I asked some people to come up and uh, at least be here. If you need someone to pray with you, would you come up, those ones that I talked to? Um, and if I need to get bring some more up, then we'll do that. But um, I asked a few people to just stand up here. Um, your wife's in, in kids' ministries. Your wife is in... Um, it is sick. That's right. We would pray for Anna Faith. Um, I'm going to bring, could you guys come up as well? Um, just so we have, um, would you guys come up as well? Barbara and Mike, just be up. If you don't need to come to a person to, to, to surrender something, that's fine. But I want them to be available. And you guys better surrender something too. You're not out of it just because you're praying over people, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention the things that I talked about. Unforgiveness. Maybe you have a regret. And I literally wrote these down because I prayed over this. I prayed, like, what do you want to say? Regret from a bad move. Hurt from an assumed failure in your vocation. Discouragement. A general addiction. A habit you can't kick. Well, I better not come up because everyone's going to think it's a habit. Well, we need to be real in this place. If it's a disappointment, maybe it's a mistake. Lost time. I mentioned maybe it's a lost child. Maybe it's just a roadblock in your life. Maybe it's an insecurity. Maybe it's a wish or a dream that you just said, guess you're not going to do it. Jesus, I love you. We lost. I love you, but we still lost. Maybe you need to let, not let go of something God's put there in your heart. As they play, we're just going to take a moment for the Holy Spirit to minister. Would you just close your eyes? Lord, you see our hearts. You see our needs. You see where we're at. We want to be real in our struggles, our routines with you. And today, right now, in the next three minutes, we're going to give up something to you. And maybe we'll do it right at our seats, or maybe we'll come up to some.